Hi, Max. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. How are you? Good. I'm getting over a little bit of a cold or something, so I'm a little congested. Um, so but I'm, besides that, I'm pretty good. Okay, well, hopefully talking about the EP will make that clear right up. Um, I wanted to congratulate you again on the release of Super In Love, Roll Credits. Uh, I saw that you were teasing it. It's the last song of this new EP. I was wondering, like, what made you want to release it first? Um, I thought it was interesting um, to, like, show people where the song, where the journey ends up. I thought it would be kind of fun, like a little preview of the end, like a little spoiler or something. Yeah. Because the song is very kind of... I guess cheery in nature, um, but if you were to hear it in the context of the EP, I think it actually becomes sort of a a sad song. Like especially if you read the lyrics out loud, it's all a past tense song about a relationship, which you know sounds happy on the outside. But I thought it would be interesting for this song specifically to be heard first because it has kind of a dual meaning. I think people will take a different impression out of it after they hear the full EP. So I thought that would be the best choice for the first single well that's really cool it's almost like you get to release it twice and provide two different experiences yeah and hopefully um it comes across that way and i figured like the it will warn people who listen to the ep all the way through and especially people who kind of um pay attention to the lyrics and the storytelling which is my my favorite part about it yeah well there's one <clears throat> lyric i actually wanted to talk about in particular in the song uh, the world's not ending, you're just depressed. I thought that was a great lyric and also very true. I was wondering, like, kind of, what were you thinking about while writing it? And then where does that kind of lyricism or themes kind of fit in the bigger world of the EP? Oh, um, I wrote that line kind of after I had gotten out of this, I don't even want to necessarily call it a relationship. It, I mean, technically, it's a relationship between two people. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of those things where it's hard to define. Mm-hmm. And probably be a lot more to meeting to the other person. Um, but I was just getting out of that. And, you know, when you get your heart really broken, I guess it um, paints your view of the way everything else looks, right? And so yes. around this time, I was just kind of starting my music career, just moved to L.A., and then... Excuse me. Went through this, you know, breakup, and I started kind of hating everything about my life. And it took me until after the clouds kind of parted to be like, "Oh yeah, my life doesn't actually suck. I was just in a bad headspace." And I think putting a candle like that makes it kind of funny, right? Because it's like, I don't know. There's something so ironic about just depressed because, like, being depressed is a big, a big thing. You know what I mean? And the world is a big thing. And kind of like, I wanted to approach it from a perspective of like you know my future self patting me on the back being like ah it's not that hard come on chin up buddy but you know kind of demeaning my own struggles right because at the end of the day i mean like you make it through it and i don't know it uh it all makes sense in the end but yeah that's where it came from well it's really fun to like get to a point where you can then be like oh i was just depressed you know (laughs) like that means that means you've made it you've you've crossed over Uh, it's just a mountain um yeah well then kind of on the like the other side of it uh you've talked about in other songs writing more like outrageous lyrics and using like words that aren't really like necessarily in songs and i was kind of wondering if you could talk about how it feels to kind of break the rules of songwriting and kind of if there's one lyric on the ep that kind of really encapsulates that the most for you 
Oh my god, there's so many, especially the ones you haven't heard. Like, I feel like oh my gosh. Super in Love, it actually does that, like, the least of all of them. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know, I kind of... I remember, I don't even really know how I came up with this, but I don't know, I just feel like I have a good sense for knowing when what kind of lyric will stand out to people mm-hmm. and I think just because it stands out to me and I figure you know I probably have somewhat of a good barometer for you know most people in a way yeah. I don't know that's how tastes are but it's like I think there's sometimes in a song where a beautiful lyric kind of slips underneath the cracks which is good sometimes because it's subtle and it takes a second for it to sink in yeah. but I really was into like abrasive lyrics that like you hear a word that just doesn't or a phrase that you're like, uh, that doesn't necessarily sound super beautiful or it's not, it's kind of ugly to put that in the song. And I was really into that because, I don't know, there's like, if you listen to noisy music, like, there's something to be said about weird noises and strange distortion being put into songs in the music. But I think with the lyrics, that's another way to add some of that abrasiveness, like I was saying. And so I like that because... I feel like when you say certain words that it'll make people listen, right? And like yeah. draw your attention to, oh yeah, the lyrics are the main point of this. And so that was kind of a device to capture people's attention, especially with the way the, the lyrics are, you know, mixed. They're just very upfront and raw and like just a real take, you know, a lot of them with my band in the background still too. And I just figured that was the best way to make some, some noise. But I think the lyrics on here that really stand out to me for like things people wouldn't say in a song are like, there's a song called Emo Night. Mm-hmm. where I'm like there's a bunch from there I have a line where I say I say like I hate the Getty and Kung Fu Panda and that's not only that's not a line you would normally hear in a song no and hating the, or, hating the Getty is such like that's so I that, that this really is incredible you're saying that given how at the apex of the culture it is here in LA that's all you were saying kind of I mean I like I was just thinking like in this EP, there's, like, no metaphors. Like, I was saying in that campfire um, meeting, like, I would, I just hate the Getty because that was a place I went to with this person, and I hate Kung Fu Panda because that was music. I, that was a, a, a movie I saw with this person. So I just hate those two things, and it felt really good to just, like, say that in a song and not have to worry about, like, wrapping it up into, like... I feel like a, a, um, a typical lyric might have been, like, I hate the places we've been and I hate the things we've watched, and that's kind of beautiful in a way. But then I just, like, let's get specific with it. What do I hate? And, like, it felt good. It's very cathartic to say these things. And I love playing that one live, too, because it, it just sounds so stupid to be, like, over, like, a nice minor chord just saying, I hate Hunky Panda. It feels good. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also a great way to, like, pull in people who aren't as familiar with your music. So they're like, whoa, like, if he's going to say that, like, what else is he going to say? Oh, God. There's, some, there's, some, there's one line in particular on the CP that I think is going gonna, it's gonna to raise some eyebrows. I don't know if I should spoil it, but it's on my song Apples and Oranges. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, feel free if you'd like to, or we can wait for the full EP. No, I think I might be censored. I don't think I'm even allowed to say this on radio. So I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it. Uh... Oh yeah, but this comes out after the EP. I just listened to the song Apples and Oranges. It's in the second verse. Um, that probably is the most standout single word, but I won't say it here in case it gets, gets censored. Okay, well then, we will we will leave it to our listeners to come back, and I will talk about it when this airs. Okay, cool. Well then, kind of just to pivot away from more the lyrical side of the EP, you talked about the production as kind of like this 90s time capsule, and you made it with analog gear, and then you also like produced a lot of it, or all of it yourself, yes? Yeah, I produced all of it except 2AM. 
Okay, awesome. So, was, or, 2 a.m. is just, like, you know, acoustic guitars, but... Well, I was wondering if there was any bit of, like, technical, like, advice or anything cool that you kind of picked up along the way that you think would be very helpful to share or that you wish you'd known prior to starting. Oh, my God, so much stuff. Like, doing it and capturing something in a live way made me really reconfigure in my brain, like, what recorded music is and that sounds super vague and broad because it is right like i was so used to making stuff on the grid like you put like a drum loop down and you play the guitar over it and they sound good together and yeah. it makes you feel something but when i was recording the live band we recorded the guitars at the same time and the drums at the same time and the bass at the same time there's like some sort of glue that holds these things together that is musical in a different way than when you make something on the computer. Nothing against that. That was just what I was chasing for this EP. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're jamming and there's no quick track, there's no nothing, um, it makes you move. And then you put it into the computer and it, it looks wrong because it doesn't fall on the lines like it's supposed to. And sometimes there's little noises. I really encourage my band to be like yelling in the background and making noise and yeah. hitting their pedals and like keeping all that sound in. But it's really, really hard when you get used to making music in like a grid system on, on the computer seeing these things yeah I, I feel this i actually went through this with the song paycheck mm-hmm. i went and like re quantitized everything to make it fall in the grid and it just lost all the magic and oh i think God. if i would have made it that way from the get-go it would have been magical still because like you know I, I made it on the grid but like making something off the grid and trying to like tchotchke it into the grid makes it like it just loses something so i guess it took me it was really hard for me to break, accept that like you can break the rules and there's a lot of stuff in here like it's all very natural like there's some songs where the guitars look a little out of tune and offbeat and like i was trying to fix it but then i'm like what am i doing here like i i want this to feel authentic and real so i gotta keep it authentic and real and that i guess i take it even further with my new music now like i've like sworn off autotune recently not because i think it's wrong i think it's just like it's interesting to like make stuff that's slightly imperfect and like don't quantitize anything like let the music be the music um that's just what i chase and that's like it took me a second to come to that conclusion if you're comfortable with making mistakes on record so i guess that would be my biggest piece of advice is like it doesn't have to be perfect if the emotion's there like probably the first take is the best but don't even don't try to make it perfect it'll you'll lose the music and it'll end up just sounding like practice like you sound like you're practicing the riff rather than playing the riff you know what i'm saying yeah well and one of the best things about music is that I mean, it's not, like, contained in just being a product. You don't have to make it technically perfect. And so, yeah, like, this EP is the result of all that emotion, and it's really, really good. So thank you for sticking with your gut and doing that. Thank you. It was kind of scary, but it was good. Well, now we're... But we're going to be super in love with it, if you will. Or we already Uh, are. Um, no pun intended no pun intended okay well to just kind of wrap up i wanted to end with a like a talk about maybe more just the industry in general because i was i was like reviewing kind of what you've been doing to promote the ep junk mail and the song i noticed that tiktok has kind of been a core part of that promotional campaign and i've liked all the content you've been putting out for super in love for 2 a.m as it's about to come out and i was kind of wondering what your take was on this gradual shift in the industry of artists being expected to almost like become content creators as well and if it's something that you like doing and also if it's kind of something you think is now part of being an artist or if it's still like a separate job that is kind of just being forced on artists under the guise of like this is what it takes to be successful mm, let me think about that for a second 
think my knee-jerk reaction is to obviously be like, I don't like doing it. But it's not that simple. It's more like, for me, I really like my music to be self-evident. That's how I, or I should say, I liked my music being self-evident. So I always thought that like, it would kind of not need to be promoted, if that makes sense. Yeah. But it took me a while to realize that that's kind of arrogant in a way. I didn't think so at the time. I thought I was too nervous to be on TikTok, but really it was coming from the perspective of like, why do I think this is like the, I think every song of mine is the literal most transcendent song of all time. Like, obviously they're really good and I like them, but like, it takes a lot for a song to grow organically and I stayed away from TikTok for the longest time because I was like, I thought I had, I still had my too cool card. You guys remember those from like elementary school? I had mine about it and I was like, this is cringe. I'm too old for this. Just a lot of excuses that were really just fear, which was, or sorry, it, sorry, it came from arrogance, which came from fear. Mm-hmm. So I feel like as soon as I decided to like just break down and just try it, because I saw so many people have success with it, it, it really, it li- quite literally changed my life, right? But do I think it's different than the way it used to be? I mean, it's a hard question because since the history of like recorded music, bands had to find some way to sell themselves, right? Right. Um, and I guess by sell themselves, I mean like promote themselves. Whether they they had to do something, I don't know what, but every band, you know, what had to do something to get noticed because back in the day, it was impossible to record music on your own. It was too expensive. No one could make music by themselves. So the best of the best would rise to the top and get to make the music. And that's why it was was a lot, the barrier to entry was a lot higher before. And it discouraged probably so many people that, people probably didn't even get the idea in their head that they could be a musician. Like it took, it was very, it was probably not like we know it today, whereas we have the internet, everyone like has a level playing field now and can become a musician, right? right. So the trade-off is because it's possible to become a musician now, you have to, to deal with the extra noise and all the people that want to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's hard to complain about TikTok and it feels a little bit hypocritical because it's like, oh, uh, I have to do this thing. I wish it was the way it used to. Well, the only reason I'm able to do music is because of the way it is right now. So yeah, it sucks and it's not necessarily what I signed up for, but it's also not 1980 and I can't just like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what I'm saying. I think a lot of people who complain about it and I guess I'm just projecting because I used to complain about it. Don't really know how it used to be. I don't know what people had yeah. to do to make music before, but I guess I should say it's a necessary part of making music because the internet in general has just made it so anyone can make music. So therefore when people are going to do it, you have to play the game. It's almost like saying, uh, how do I put this? The internet made it possible for all of us to make music. So therefore you have to use the internet to make music, right? Absolutely. But you can't just Absolutely. like, you can't get the idea in your head that anyone can do it and then not, I think you're above the rules of the game, right? You can't just like, can't just do it. But um, I do think it is kind of unfortunate. I think a lot of people will be discouraged, you know, and a lot of music will not be found because people that don't want to play TikTok but you know what? That music still wouldn't have been found before TikTok either because the same people who are not diligent and courageous enough to do this scary, cringy thing on the internet are probably the same people that wouldn't be diligent and creative enough to have sold themselves and 
before the internet existed too. So yeah, it's a, it's a weird little hobby with the lottery to get attached that is doing TikTok. Um, and I hope that most people can find a, some sort of peace with it because you got to do it. Yeah. Until it gets banned or something. Oh my gosh, I, yes. <laughs> well, I hope, I hope they do because like, that's why people are able to like find music that they'll really grow to yeah. love and like how fans get made nowadays. Um, right. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. We here both at UCLA Radio and Cherry Pop are looking forward to junk mail. And we will be streaming it when it comes out. Cool. Thanks for having me. Check out the EP. Appreciate you.